and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by Mariana Hewitt and Lauren Gores, the founders of Summer Fridays, fresh off a plane from Los Angeles. Prior to launching their own brand, Mariana and Lauren spent years cultivating their own social media followings. And in fact, Mariana was one of the first people globally to really champion the YouTube beauty tutorial movement. Having both studied broadcast journalism, Mariana and Lauren knew how to work to a deadline, to self-produce and to create content for a global audience. 2014 saw Mariana and Lauren launch their respective blogs and the years that followed saw them transition their initial success online into full-time businesses. March of 2018 saw the launch of the Summer Fridays Jetlag Mask, a singular product, the first of three released under Mariana and Lauren's own skincare company, that completely revolutionised the masking category. The product became what appeared to be an overnight success despite spending over two years in development and the brand is now available almost worldwide. These women have a following beyond what I can even fathom but what struck me the most about them is really how humble they are. They are whip smart, they are so, so intelligent, they are the opposite of influencers who just slap their name on the product and They really are so grateful to be doing what they're doing and I think that came across in our chat. They were unbelievably generous with their time and this is actually just part one of a two-part conversation and they truly credit so much of their success to their online communities. I caught up with Mariana and Lauren during their recent whirlwind trip to Mecca HQ in Melbourne to discuss their take on influencer currency their rather grassroots approach to product development and their unique positioning as influencer marketers. Okay, so I know that prior to meeting, you two were sort of leading like parallel lives, but I want to rewind a little bit more. What were your first real memories of beauty? Uh, like from childhood days? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I have an older sister, and mm-hmm. she was kind of always my my beauty junkie. She's five years older, and so yep. she was really the first person who taught me about beauty. She loved to do my makeup. She liked to share her skincare secrets. So I remember she used to do uh, my makeup for school dances and things like mm-hmm. that, and that's kind of really how I was first introduced to beauty and when I fell in love with it. Yeah. I lived with my dad growing up, and he obviously didn't really know how to teach me about doing my makeup. So he would take me to department stores, and he would have the ladies at the counter show me how to do my makeup, what products to buy. So ever since I was really young, that's how I learned about beauty. So I felt like I always learned from the experts at a really young age. I was about to say, what a nice Mm -hmm. position to be in. Yeah, it was so nice. And I I saw my mom, and like I lived and bounced between them back and forth. Um, But since I was with my dad primarily, that's kind of what he taught me. And so it was so nice, and so he used to me to get my manicures done when I was in middle school I convinced him that in seventh grade that's when you were allowed to start dyeing your hair because I told him all my friends did too Mm -hmm. and so that's really how I learned and I remember 
going to a MAC counter and they gave me a contour brush. But this is before contouring was really like a trend or a thing. Yeah. But they told me it was um, theater makeup of what they were showing me. So they gave me a really dark bronzer mm -hmm. and a contour brush and showed me how to do that when I was really young. So I was always contouring before I knew it was a trend. And when I saw it later, I was like, this is what I've been doing for so long. <laughs> and just I just had no idea. <laughs> You were learning from the experts from day mm -hmm. dot. I really appreciate That's why I think we love going to stores and shopping because mm. when we go to a counter and we're looking for something, we really do ask the people who work there, what do you recommend? What do you like? What do you love? So I think we've always had this thing of, you know, whether it's Lauren and her sister or me with, you know, someone who works at a counter of going to someone and asking them, what's your favorite and how do you use it? Yeah. And I think that's probably where we sparked our love of beauty products. Yeah. I think it's exciting when beauty's tactile as well to go into store and actually apply Yes. I so agree. There's it. a lot of choices. So it's helpful mm. when you're able to go in and feel everything and try things. That's very exciting mm -hmm. that you're in Australia. But <laughs> we we'll love get to Australia. That. <laughs> so you both went to college for broadcast journalism separately. Mm -hmm. We did, yeah. Was that always, I mean, did you grow up thinking you would be journalists or... Was that always the plan? Did you derail it? For, for, for me, it was. I honestly thought, I never thought I would be doing this. Um, yeah. we, well, we both wanted to be Oprah. We still <laughs> want to be Oprah. <laughs> Understandably uh, so. But truly, like, that was my number one goal. I mean, even after college, like, for a while, that was really, I really wanted to be on, like, the Today Show. Um, yeah. I want, I, broadcasting was really my dream. So this kind of took me in a different direction. But then... Yeah. There was the world of blogging that started, um, and just the whole digital space, which did not exist when we were in college. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I mean, for it to all go this direction was unexpected, but in the best possible way. Yeah. And I think for me, ever since I was little, I used to walk around the house with a video camera, and I would interview my family and talk to them, and I had a passion for sharing things. My mom used to take me to New York. I would stand outside at the Today Show where they would film. I would watch Katie Couric over her shoulder, yeah. and I would read off of the teleprompter and think, like, oh, one day I'm going to live in New York, and I'm going to work on this morning news show. I ended up going to L.A. afterwards, and um, Lauren was working as a news anchor. Yeah. I was working as a television host doing fashion and beauty news I kept going on auditions and every audition I would go on it would get very much to the end and then I would lose out to a famous person mm -hmm. and I wouldn't get the roles because this person had a bigger audience than me or they were more well-known and it's like you can't be more well-known if you don't get a job yeah. but I can't get a job unless you're more well-known mm -hmm. so it got to the point where youtubers and influencers started to become their own network um, so that's when I started a blog and YouTube channel and I took what I couldn't get those jobs and I took it into my own hands and created my own channel where I was working but I wasn't able to do the jobs I wanted. Um, and luckily now anyone can have their own network or their own TV yeah. channel or their own station yeah. um, without anyone telling them no. And you get to create your own community, which I mm. think is really special. So I think before when we used to kind of dream of this, you know, having this television presence, you don't necessarily get to choose your community. Yes. Um, but this, in a way, this community is so much more specific to us and they really do feel like it's like an extension of your friends and family you know yeah. because it's people who really want to be part of sort of your world and what you're sharing and we get to share mm. what we're passionate about yeah no boss is telling us no when we pitch an idea for us uh, you're writing you know? your own brief exactly nice. so yeah. instead of, and if we want to try something new we're allowed to try it there's no yeah. one telling us I don't think that'll work for our audience or whatever it right. is so we love that because it's our it's everything we always wanted to do when we grew up just mm -hmm. on a new kind of channel Mm. Aside from wanting to be Oprah, did either of you imagine <laughs> you'd end up working in beauty or has that happened really organically? I mean, personally, really organically <laughs> for me, I honest, I never, never anticipated, um, especially, I guess, to this extent, 
that I would be working in beauty. I mean, yeah. I think we, I always loved, I always loved skincare, especially. I always masked, um, which kind of made it fun that a mask was our very first product because I always had a face mask on. Um, but I didn't necessarily think that I would have my own brand. I thought maybe I would talk about brands that I loved. And again, I think it just goes back to for so long, I had a really set and specific dream of, okay, I want to be a television host or, you know, something along those lines. And so this went in a different direction. But I think once once we sort of, you know, continued sharing things that we were passionate about, it became, um, I guess, maybe a more apparent direction that we could go. It just took some time. And that's, we, we kind of always have this saying to say, love the process over the plan, because yeah. sometimes you have a plan in your head and then things can go in a really different direction and to allow yourself the flexibility to go in another direction, I think is really important rather than just hanging on to something um, that really could change. We don't want to lose out on an, on an opportunity just because we're not being flexible. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. You can become, you can sort of pigeonhole yourself yeah. if you just have like a singular goal. Things change that often. Yeah, and you can't like afford exactly. To do that anymore. You, after you finished studying, Lauren, you became a news anchor in Missouri. Is that oh, yes. Was that your first job you outside research? of college? I it did. was. That's my favorite yes. part. <laughs> that was. I was. Um, I was 21. I moved to the middle of Missouri mm-hmm. to a small ABC news station there. It started out as a news reporter, and I was lugging all of my own equipment, doing my own live shots. I was driving the news van. It was not glamorous. (laughs) Um, But I learned so much. And then I eventually became a morning news anchor there. I had to go into work at 1 a.m. every day. (laughs) It was a very early start. But it taught me so much. And I think it also taught me so much about Mm self-discipline. And even though I may not necessarily have continued in that sort of traditional news path, I think it really taught me about how to, you know, get up early and go after what you want and to really create a path that's your own. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm really grateful. For, I wouldn't change that experience for the world. I'm so grateful for that. It's very nice to be grateful for things. At what point did you make the move to California? Uh, I was there for about four years and then I moved to Los Angeles and I worked for a digital news station mm-hmm. called Newsy. I was there for a little while and then that's when I started blogging to the same point that Mariana made. I wanted, mm-hmm. I initially only started blogging because I wanted to get more broadcasting jobs. And ah. in LA, there was a lot of lifestyle segments. So I had, prior to moving to LA, I'd really just done a lot of political and hard news mm-hmm. and things that were not very bright or fun. <laughs> um, so I thought, okay, well, if I start blogging, then I can kind of become an expert in that space. And then honestly, making a career out of it happened on accident. It's a nice thing when things like that happen. A happy accident, yes. Mariana, am I right in saying that you felt like political news and that sort of thing wasn't quite for you? It wasn't really for me. I felt like in college when I started doing the more traditional news route, I felt de- like depressed. It was really sad. It's mm-hmm. like the news is almost like bad news. And so when I moved to LA, um, my first job was in PR when I was trying to find yes. um, my job working in news. And um, I worked in entertainment public relations. And my first jobs were working for Sofia Vergara, and Mary J. Blige, and Jada Pinkett Just Smith. Small <laughs> Although that Very was probably small. before Modern Family. So it was actually Sofia Vergara's first season of Modern Family. Ah. So prior to the show starting, she had been acting for a long time and I would take her to all of her press interviews and I'm like Modern Family is going to be ABC's number one comedy like will you please interview Sophia and it was then that I realized like PR is a very hard job and it's so much out of your control even with you know amazing people that you're working for so 
uh, in that process of taking these amazing stars to their interviews, I was realizing I still wanted to be the one interviewing them, mm -hmm. not taking them to the interviews. Um, and I was trying to get my jobs and ended up working in entertainment news first and then transitioned into fashion and beauty news because it went from I didn't love gossiping about people yeah. to I love fashion and beauty news. This is what I love. And I felt like sharing things that were making people feel better about themselves was more the path I wanted to go down. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of trickled into YouTubing and influencer world. <laughs> it's a really nice way to look at beauty as well, making people feel we feel all the time when you look good, you feel good, you feel more confident, you can tackle whatever it is throughout your day, whether for you that's skincare or makeup or no makeup or whatever it is. Um, I always feel like when I feel confident in myself, I can like do anything. Yeah. I don't want people to feel intimidated by the beauty world. I think yeah. sometimes there's this misconception that if you are obsessed with beauty, you have to like really know everything about it. And I think, especially with Summer Fridays and with our products, they're very easy to use. And so yeah. we hope that even someone who may not feel as connected to the beauty world overall, they feel like it's, it's an easy part of their routine. And, and then also just makes them feel good. It's like this little point of self-care and self-love. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to know every product to love beauty and to use it especially with a mask. Mm -hmm. And we will get to that. I feel like it's just a compliment to your routine. I love yes. it. <laughs> While you were reporting, is it, at what point did you start pitching tutorials to your boss? So I was doing fashion and beauty news and like Lauren, we would go to work very early every mm -hmm. day. In Los Angeles, we're already three hours behind. So I would go to work around 4.30 in the morning every day. Yeah. I would write my stories in the morning. And I was always trying to play catch up with New York. So by the time yeah. I had got my content up that day or filmed my stories, produced them, I was already behind. Um, so after a while, I saw people kind of starting to do tutorials on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Selfishly, I didn't want to film and edit videos myself, nor did I really know how. I knew a little bit in college because they taught us to be a one-man band of you know writing your stories, putting them in the teleprompter, filming your packages, getting them edited. So we knew a little bit of that in college. Um, so I pitched to my boss that I wanted to do a hair tutorial. Mm -hmm. She was like, I don't really know if it's going to be a good idea, but let's try and see what happens. So I filmed um, like how to do a J-Lo bun, and mm -hmm. within the first day, it got like a million views online. So she was like, I think oh, just we're going somewhere with this. <laughs> and so they were like, OK, once a week, one of your stories can be like a hair or makeup video. Mm -hmm. And then it slowly transitioned to all of my content became tutorial style and no more fashion and beauty news, because I think they saw that's kind of where the mm -hmm. digital content was going in that no one else really could like duplicate what you were doing. Everyone can kind of tell their own take on news stories and fashion and yeah. beauty news, but when you're doing a tutorial, mm -hmm. it's a person sharing how to do something. Do yeah. And so it was then that that kind of became my job there, and then I started my own blog and YouTube channel. You were really one of the first to be doing tutorials. Mm -hmm. At any point, did you think it was going to explode in the way that it has? No. At the time, there were a handful of people. Um, you were either a blogger or a YouTuber, and there wasn't really a lot of people at the time. Like, really, the girls that were doing it then were Michelle Phan, um, Chriselle Lim, Camila Coelho was like mm -hmm. one of the, the one of the originals. So there was really only a few girls then. Yeah. So I think I came in at the right time before a ton of people started to become bloggers and and YouTubers and. Definitely. I think the way that I came at beauty in the beginning was much different. I was a little bit older than the other people on YouTube, so I always had a love for prestige beauty and luxury skincare and luxury products. So where people were trying to jump on this train of like drugstore or very glam makeup or theatrical, it wasn't really the vibe that I 
wore my makeup. So when I started my yeah. YouTube channel, I just did beauty in the way that I loved it, in the way that I love to wear it on myself. And I always say I'm an educated consumer. I'm not an expert, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not a professional. So I think it was more relatable, too, when I was doing my tutorials. It was just like your friend who also loves makeup, yeah. and this is how I use it. And if I don't do my eyeshadow perfect, it's okay, because like we're not professionals, but this is just the product I like and how I use it. You met through the blogging world, is that right? We were actually both and friends, we our friends family. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Friends yeah. like a decade. Our families yeah. both live in Los Angeles. So even yeah. though we um, moved there from the Midwest, all mm -hmm. of our families there. So Lauren had been coming to a long time to LA a long time before she actually lived there. Yeah. And we met so long ago. And so at that point we both had our like news jobs and then we yeah. both started our blogs yeah. at the same time. And so everything was, it was parallel. Funny, like our <laughs> lives are very parallel, but we it's just funny how it all ended up happening because yeah. we didn't meet in college and we did but it's just funny it's how so it funny. all but different focuses as well. I feel like yours was more sort of mm -hmm. clean beauty and that kind of. Yeah, we did. I mean, it was like we had kind of different sort of, I guess, like specialties in yes. a way. Um, but then so many things that were also parallel. Yeah. So it's been fun it's to nice. kind of now marry the two mm -hmm. and create our brand yeah. together. I was about to say it's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. At what point did you start blogging, both of you? I started in, um, it was February 1st, 2014 was the day. specific that I The reason why I knew was because I knew that I was going to launch a blog and I was getting everything ready and I was like, I'm just going to post online and tell people I'm launching this yep. because I knew I couldn't back out once I told people. It was like leading I'm up to February 1st. Now. Yeah, it was leading up to February 1st. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just doing this because I already told the internet that I'm doing this. And so I like put up a couple blog posts and like launched it. And that day, I remember my site crashed because there were so many people that had gone on it. But I didn't really like, even know how to do this because I set up everything for myself on GoDaddy. So I had to like call them on support. <laughs> I was like trying to like figure out how to fix it. Um, but yeah, February 1st, 2014. The very so first day. Oh, well, I don't remember the first day. <laughs> uh, it was around that time. It was like end of 2013 or 2014. It was right around then. Um, but to, yeah, kind of similar to Mary and I never intended, like, I didn't start my blog and think, oh, okay, like, I'm, I'm a blogger now. I just, yeah. I was still, I was working my other full-time job and I was still a newscaster at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and I was doing all digital news. And then, I mean, honestly, for like two and a half years, which sounds like a really long time, but I don't think... I ever like fully committed to the, even using the word of like, oh, I'm a blogger. And now looking back, I, I like, wish that I actually had and just owned it. But I think it was in a time where because a lot of people weren't doing it and because I'd sort of like gone down this very traditional path of going to school for broadcasting and then I was seeing a lot of success in the early part of my career, I almost felt like a little embarrassed in a way that I, I that. you know, had sort of ended this, this sort of traditional broadcast career and got into blogging. And this was at a time when no one really knew it was going to go into that direction. Like now, if you tell someone that you're blogging, people understand it's a real yeah. business um, and that you can create real things from it. But at the time, I just felt like, you know, even people, you know, very close to me and Closest circle, we're kind of like, oh, are you taking more pictures of your outfit? <laughs> you know, and you always kind of feel like a bit And now they see it's all worth it. Exactly. And they're like, oh, okay, well, now we, we know get the it. pictures are worth it. But for a while, no one really knew what you were doing. And it looked, um, I mean, it looked kind of funny to people who just didn't know about mm -hmm. the career. But I, looking back, I do kind of wish I would have owned that a little bit more um, and just, you know, kind of gone for it. Whereas there was a couple of years where I was really trying to do both careers. And I was trying to blog, but I was really still trying to, to be a broadcaster. Yeah. And I think it would have helped to commit. I think it's difficult when it's still a foreign concept to people, even now. I think my dad's yeah. finally sort of <laughs> figured it out. But I yeah. think now it's becoming much more of a, a general conversation. I mean, a lot yeah. more, um, you know, 
people really know about what it is and yes. what you can create. Thank God. Yes. <laughs> None of us yes, would be here. <laughs> at what point, I mean, for lack of a better word, at what point did you turn it from being a side hustle into full-time gig? Um, fortunately for me, around the same time I had started, Instagram had, like, existed a little bit. And so I was yeah. already doing sponsored content via my Instagram while I was working mm-hmm. at the same time. So... When, so I'd say, I would say I've been doing it full-time since 2014. So yeah. when I knew I could make as much money from sponsored content as I was at work was mm-hmm. when I was like, okay, I can transition now and do this full-time. But I didn't want to leave my full-time job until I knew I could support myself from that. Mm-hmm. So it was about April 2014. So when I launched on February 1st, it was in April where I... Very speedy it, turnaround. It happened very quickly, but I, I honestly think it was the background that Lauren and I had of working that I always took it very seriously mm-hmm. from the beginning. And I think my work of you know working in broadcast and having deadlines and filming content yeah. mm-hmm. every day that I transitioned that very easily into a blog and YouTube channel where I knew I had a schedule and content. I wish I could keep to that content I schedule know. now. <laughs> but at the beginning, I knew that. And I knew because I was able to monetize that prior to... you know quitting my job that I knew I could sustain it myself but I think I wouldn't become a blogger full-time until you knew you had incoming jobs you know like keep it as a side hustle and commit your free time on nights and weekends if you can Mm -hmm. until you know that you can do that because it's an expensive undertaking to do Mm -hmm. by yourself I think people don't see all the work that goes into it the photography the videography the editing the clothes the hair the makeup um shooting content is is expensive and you are like 20 people's jobs all in one um so it's an expensive undertaking if you don't have some sort of income coming in and there's so many different ways being an influencer that you can make income it's not just sponsored content it's affiliate links hosting events collaborations um there's so many ways that you can monetize it Mm -hmm. now did you when you first started fielding um like sponsored posts and requests and brands. Did you have management or were you just doing it all yourself? No, I was doing it myself. Yeah. Um, they would email me and then I would t- tell them my rates and then they would send me payment via PayPal. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and then that's how I Very did it at first. Very polished business yes. model. <laughs> and then um, at my old job, we would ask people to come do like videos with us since we were doing fashion and beauty news. Mm-hmm. And there was a management company who I would reach out to for a lot of the girls Um to get them to come in and do stuff at my old job. Mm -hmm. And so I had this management company's info. So I was like, oh, I'll just email them and see if they would rep me. I didn't have, my blog was out for like a week. And so I I was like, hey, you know, I have a brand new blog. I know you would usually not take me on. Like I'm looking for management. I already have incoming jobs. They like got back together. They got back to me like, you know, usually we wouldn't take anyone this new, but because you have already incoming and we see a lot of potential, they ended up signing me. And it took a few months and I remember I got my very first job and it was um, with Colgate and yeah. it was in North Carolina. <laughs> and I they, I couldn't believe they were flying me. They had to post two Instagrams about toothpaste and attend like some like marathon that people were running you in. Had a big, you had a big Instagram following then too. Like even before, it was I, mean, when I Instagram remember first you started. were like, really active on Instagram and like had a big following like I think before I even got on it like it was you know because it was kind of in that like sweet spot and I feel like that was really helpful to you because you were such an early adopter of it and you were really really savvy on like I remember like oh my god wow (laughs) like I learned so much from you you know what I mean yeah I think it helped at the beginning I think it's um, a little more difficult now to, to be, it's not yes. impossible, but I think you just have to be very focused and you have to have, yeah. um, Lauren spoke about this earlier today, that you have to have a niche, you know, I think yeah. right now there's so many people that you can't be as generic as like when we first started. So I think mm-hmm. now it's 
pick a topic. You can be an expert of this one thing. And once you get enough people to follow you being an expert for this, you can eventually start talking about other things. But like be so specific that people know what they're getting from you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very helpful now. And then there's so many amazing, amazing management companies or people can, you know, negotiate and pitch things for themselves. But um, I think for me and Lauren has management now also, um, it's very helpful having someone who's also like pitching you and helping mm-hmm. you negotiate things and looking out for your best interest so that you are only taking the jobs that are in best alignment for you and making sure that deals are fair because um, I remember taking like one job on and I I didn't really have management at that time, so I had accepted it. And I didn't realize I had signed myself to an exclusivity for that whole year um, for an entire category. Which is a very long a year is a long time. Yeah, and yeah, so God, moving I forward, I was like, chills. this is why. And I, it was a hard lesson that I learned at the beginning, but now I know always to look yeah. oh, at the contracts before I'm signing things and that having someone on board to help you, even if you're paying out a management a small percentage, you're going to make that back yeah. overall, yeah. so it's okay. And they do a lot of work. They really do. For what they do for commission, they do a lot of work. they, like, also help, I think, kind of keep you very specific in a way, too, because it's always tempting. You want to just, I mean, I do this all the time. I feel tempted. like, oh, I want to share all of these things, and you start getting into all these different categories. Um, But we were just talking about even, like, with among the people that we follow, we like following certain people for certain things now, whereas I think in the early days, because there were only so many influencers you kind of liked like you had your sort of main people that you followed and you kind of liked getting everything from them from Mm -hmm. how they decorated their house to how they did their hair to you know where they were traveling to and then now I think because there's so many more people who are sharing things I kind of like you know I'll follow someone for whatever their skincare routine is and then there's another you know there's a mom who I love to follow for her mom content but then I don't necessarily care what eyeshadow she's wearing do you know what I mean so I think it's like a bit of a different um, especially if you're if you're a newer yeah. influencer, I think it's if you can pick a couple of things. You can't be everything to everyone. That's I know. But I had to like learning. relearn that myself too. I mean, I remember like was it a year 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 ago maybe we like Marianne and I had a big conversation just even about my like own personal channels of okay yeah. I need to kind of get more specific with what I'm sharing um, because it was shifting and it was changing and I think just always kind of remembering that in this space specifically is that you have to just always be very flexible and evolve yes. with it because what it looks like right now isn't what it will look like in a year or two years or five years or it didn't look anything you know like what it does now a few years ago so I mean five years ago it was <laughs> next to yeah, nothing it was <laughs> very different at what point did you realize Lauren that what you were doing was sustainable it was definitely a longer process for me, I think, because, again, kind of going back to the maybe the fear of Balancing commitment. Two jobs. The, yeah, I think I, I was sort of, it was more of a, like this sort of personal marriage in my head of I really had this like broadcasting dream and it was really yeah. hard for me to let go of that. Um, but I could see that the whole industry was changing. Like mm-hmm. I could see that it was all kind of going in this different direction, but it took me a bit longer maybe to accept it is the the best word to use, but yeah. I kind of always kept vlogging and then I kept trying to do these different broadcast jobs. And then it was like maybe after a couple of years and that's when I just started to really fall in love with creating things um, in my sort of own space and in the digital space. And then that's when I officially switched over. So we've established that you've been friends for many years now. Yes. Had you, prior to Summer Fridays, had you ever toyed with the idea of working together in any capacity or...? We, we had talked about it. I mean, we honestly, for a long time, we always had this dream of doing something together. We didn't know exactly what it would look like, mm-hmm. but I think we always knew we would make really good partners. <laughs> we were, were very similar in the sense that we have like a very similar big picture vision yeah. that I don't think a lot of people have, and especially as I keep getting older, I, I'm like, <laughs> okay, there, there aren't a lot of people I think who share that. 
So I think that's been really important to just to starting the brand. And then we have very similar morals mm-hmm. um, and values, so which is so important and work ethic. But we're also different enough mm-hmm. to, um, to where we work really well together. And I think being friends for so long before we we talk about in business like the dating phase of things. Mm-hmm. So the dating phase that we had before we because a business is a marriage. Um, So the dating phase before we knew each other for so long that we knew what we were getting ourselves into with each other because I think in business partnerships, you really need to know someone very well. It's not, oh, I just met you once and let's start a business together. Like you really need to know because you are talking to this person all day, every day, good, bad, making decisions, making hard decisions, working through challenges. So you have to really know what you're getting yourself into. And luckily we have a great marriage. And um, so it was a lot of, you know, dating phase before then and really knowing someone um, before to get to like the perfect partnership I mean, we have a lot of good friends but there's there's not anyone else that yeah. I would do you know so I think that's I also important to that. recognize mm-hmm. that difference is you know we both have you know a number of very very close friends but not necessarily um, you know great business mm-hmm. partners that I would you know or like you want to keep it just to that friendship so mm-hmm. I think it's also sort of I guess choosing wisely on <laughs> when I was just thinking about the way that you guys work together I was like I have a lot of really amazing beautiful friends who I love with my whole heart but I would sooner remove a limb than go well, it's like the same thing of your guy. I have yeah. so many guy friends who I love to death but I like would only want to marry my husband you know what I mean yeah, like, there's like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of a similar thing it's like it doesn't mean that they're any less of a friend it's just like you know there's only like so yes. many people that you can really enter a marriage with. Yes. <laughs> it's our work marriage. Together. <laughs> so the first product that you launched with is Jetlag Mask. Yes. What came first, the idea for the brand or the idea for that specific product? It was all like simultaneous. Uh, yeah. So we knew that we wanted to start a skincare brand and we knew we wanted to start with masks and then we were formulating at the same time as we were branding. So mm-hmm. everything was happening all at the same time and the product development phase was happening as the branding phase was happening mm-hmm. and we kind of let that inspire each other. So we we were we did like a lot of homework before starting a lot of it. So we knew and thankfully to social, who our girl was, who are we selling, yes. you know, what what is she like, what does she buy? You know, luckily for us like platforms like Reward Style and Shop Style, you have so much data on your mm. followers of where do they shop, how much do they shop from you, what are the price points they buy from you, you know, where are the top retailers they shop from from you. And so we knew so much about who the girl was and we had all this data from her. So we knew a lot of the guessing was taken out of when we were starting the company. And then we kind of we had these ideas of different products we wanted to launch and we started working on formulas and then as soon as we would get one back we would become obsessed with it and we let that like lead us into another way and we're we're in Mecca headquarters right now and we're sitting next to this vision board and the vision board next to us this inspiration board is very similar to the vibes of what we created for our brand it was light and airy and beachy it was the California girl and na- uh, like natural yeah. you know ingredients I'm looking at everything on here and it's so and it's times our like vibe. This that I wish really there was a visual component yes. to this podcast we'll take yeah. a selfie in front of it yeah um, I'm glad you said all that because I really wanted to talk to you about this idea of influencers as marketers because I feel like you are in a really unique position in that you, unlike, say, a big multinational, you are in a position to just have a dialogue with the customer. Like, you're basically speaking to them directly. So do you feel like that was something that sort of helped bolster the brand? Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) I think significantly. (laughs) I mean, now still it does. We took – we always say they were our – our community was our focus group before they knew they were our Mm -hmm. focus group, and we really created – our first products based off of feedback that we had received um, from our like individual communities prior to launching Summer Fridays, and we knew um, we put all of that, you know, into what ingredients we were going to use. And 
what kind of product we wanted to create um, and really like what our brand messaging was. And then I also think too, we, I mean, much like this vision for next to us, but we had a very clear idea of of who that customer was and we don't go away from that. So I think it's in any in any sort of company that you have, I think sometimes it's easy to get excited about whether it's a certain trend or yeah. you know another color palette or whatever it is and you sometimes want to go in all these different directions, but we always come back to who we are at our core and we have some sort of core beliefs that we always come back to and we want all of our products and all of our messaging to always reflect that and I think that's been really helpful too and we learned a lot of that I think through through blogging and, and through being influencers. I would imagine as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's where it's handy to have a business partner because they can keep you accountable yeah. if your mind starts to wander. We do. We, we remind each other of that often because sometimes we'll, each of us will get really excited about something and then it's like, well, okay, wait a minute. Let's just take a deep <laughs> breath. Like, is, is this us? Is it not? So. so you launched in March of last year, which is crazy to me because I feel Almost like I've been using <laughs> Jet Lag Mask for my whole life. What did you ever do without the Jet Lag It's mask? one of those products, though, that sounds like I'm just, you know, blowing smoke, but it's... It's really beautiful. Well, you're glowing right now. Oh, you look beautiful. Because <laughs> I used overtime last night as well. Um, how long did the process take from conceptualizing the product through till launching in March? That process was about almost two and a half years mm -hmm. until launch. Mm -hmm. So we formulated and did everything, everything for about two years. Um, it took a long time. I think we thought we would launch. We didn't, had never done this before, so we didn't really know timing. So I remember at first we had a launch day and someone was like, yeah, right, you're not going to launch then. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we will, we will. And then we're like, no. At least they yeah. said no to you. Otherwise, you'd yeah. be going, no, 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 we, this is fine. Yeah, and so it took a long time. But we are, we weren't in a rush. We wanted to do everything right. Mm -hmm. um, and so we really took our time in product development and branding and packaging and making sure that when we launched, we did everything correctly. Mm -hmm. And um, we were lucky enough to launch with also a retailer in the U.S. And when we did yes. that... Um, we had to then function as a big company. Mm -hmm. um, so these roles we had to get in place as far as like our supply chain and operations and a warehouse, things we didn't know we had to do that. But honestly, it made us from the very beginning think big and think mm -hmm. large. And mm -hmm. all of our ducks had to be in a row because we couldn't mess up at that point. No. <laughs> and I think too, I mean, I, I do constantly say that we didn't necessarily envision um, this kind of response to the brand so quickly, which we're mm -hmm. so grateful for. But I will say that we, even from day one, when we thought we were just going to make a very small amount of masks, we always did it with this bigger vision in mind of what we wanted someday. So everything from our branding to our packaging to where you know we invested our, our money in the beginning before we were really making anything off of the brand, we, we really put that into creating something that we felt like could go on a store shelf and that could go with a big retailer um, and that could go internationally. So we had that in our minds so that we created that from day one. So it wasn't like we didn't just do something halfway and then yeah. thought like, oh, we'll fix it when we get there. We really thought that way. And I think that's what made it, you know, when some of those big opportunities came, we were ready uh, because we had sort of thought, had this big picture thought in our head beforehand. Mm -hmm. Am I right in saying that you were pregnant, Lauren, during the formulation I process? I was, oh, yes. My yeah, we came up with the idea. I think I was like six or seven weeks pregnant. I just found out I was pregnant when we first sat down over so lunch. having two babies at once, essentially. I, no, we did. I, I, we say that all the time. I'm like, I literally birthed two babies in the same year, uh, which is kind of crazy. And again, it's like you can't even anticipate. That ended up being incredible. But, um, but yeah, we did. It actually, 
it helped us create a very strict no list when we were formulating. Now you've answered my next question. Yes, mm -hmm. we had a very strict no list and ingredients because I was in, when we first came up with the idea, I was in the process of switching over all of my skincare and makeup so products. so much you have to cut. There's a lot you have to cut out. Um, I mean, there's also things that, you know, weren't as scary as what they sounded. So it was a, the whole thing was just a really big learning process for me. And then we were able to apply that into our own products, um, which we still hold to that standard now. And and now we'll always, you know, hold to that standard of sort of this strict no list that we follow. Um, but we, we also learned a lot during the process and sometimes things that maybe sound scary are actually not bad for you. So it, it was just a really great learning lesson for us. Um, and we love knowing that it was safe for me during pregnancy. And so it's, it's safe for all of us. Mm -hmm. Launching with one product is a bold move because that yeah. product has got to be perfect because there's nothing that a consumer can say, this one's not for me, but perhaps this one is. Okay. That happens a bit in Australia, actually. We've got a few niche brands that just launch with the one product, but it okay. seems as though that's not sort of the norm in the US. So what did you find to be were the advantages of launching with one product and did you feel you were disadvantaged in any way? Um, there's a lot of pressure when you launch with just mm. one because I read an article someone wrote about us recently and it was like, had jet lag not been a success, we might have not survived our first year because yeah. we only had that first product for six months. Uh, we were obsessed with it, but we really didn't know until we launched it how people would feel about it. Yeah. Um, it's a big risk, but it's also a great reward. And I think as an indie brand, it was easier for us to manage. And we didn't really know that it wasn't common to launch with you know, one SKU and one brand. Mm -hmm. So um, for us, we loved it. And it was always our idea of this. And we always had our first year planned out mm -hmm. of how we were going to launch product because we knew as influencers and as consumers how overwhelmed we were with the amount of choices when we were shopping and when we received packages for gifting. Yes, well, um, that's the thing. A bulk of what you're doing is yeah. trialing and reviewing products. Exactly. So you're in a position yeah. to... So when we mm. would receive things, we would get a box and there would be 20 things from a brand and they would all be amazing, but we wouldn't even know where to start mm -hmm. or we wouldn't even know what to share. So when even when we're sharing them, someone doesn't even know what to buy as a consumer. Um, so that was always our idea and, you know, luckily it worked out for us and it definitely <laughs> exceeded our expectations of how we thought it would go and we're, we're super grateful and I really think it was the power of the internet from the person with a hundred followers mm -hmm. to the person with a million followers mm -hmm. of sharing it and just like if people love something on the internet they'll let you know and if they don't they do too and luckily yes, everyone loved do. it and um, very honest on the and everyone shared and you know supported the brand and we were so grateful for that mm -hmm. it takes people a really long time to get to know something too which is yes. what we've learned so while you can get something out right away because of social media I think you know you think about how much you're seeing at, on any given day that you're scrolling through even how much you see in an hour yeah. oh um, and I mean we're, we're kind of, it's, everything is oversaturated a bit and so yeah. I think allowing that one product to live for a while allowed people to really get to know the brand and recognize that what we now call summer Fridays blue and it was a unique color and it was different from a lot of the millennial pink that was out at that time and so I think all of that really helped one of the many beautiful things about it being a mask is that it doesn't have to replace anything. You can just right. you know, insert it into your existing routine. And I think I heard a quote from, I forget who it was, but it was about it complementing rather than yeah. competing with what you're using. Was that a conscious decision? Because I would imagine if you were creating a product that competed with things in a routine, given that you are both influencers, that could potentially affect you know, potential for brand partnerships. It wasn't so much, I don't think it was so much brand partnerships, but it was more about the fact that we both love 
products. Yeah. Um, we're both product junkies, and we have a very extensive skincare yes. and makeup routine. <laughs> um, and so we know that we use a lot of different products, and we expect that our community is going to use a lot of different products, and we wanted something that would complement their routine really well. Um, and then all of our products always kind of have something very like treatment specific and yes, to try to solve a problem um, that you might be experiencing in your skincare routine. So we wanted to make it um, as, as easy and as simplistic. We wanted to gain the trust too from our community. So launching with the one, it really allowed people to get to know our brand. And then now we have three products and so they can integrate them in. Um, but we, I mean, we do, we, we work with a number of different brands and we love them and we'll always love a number of different brands um, just because, I mean, that's honestly like what inspired us to, to create our own is sort of this love for product and love for our community. And so we've always known that. And, we hope we're just we're, we're part of your routine. You are. <laughs> I didn't say that for myself. You have three masks now, two of which we have here, which I love. Are you considering diversifying into other product categories or is the goal just dominate masks? Right now we're skincare focused. Mm -hmm. um, so we are a skincare brand. Yeah. Um, so the first three products we formulated prior to launching. Mm -hmm. And then moving forward, we're very community driven. Um, mm -hmm. So we have been taking the input um, from all of our followers and we see every DM and comment and we use the questions feature on Instagram all the time. So yes. we have an Excel sheet and we're tallying what everything's asking for and um, their top skincare concerns and product mm -hmm. requests. And we align that with what we wanted to create for summer Fridays anyway and we're marrying those two things together and so we're making the products that we felt was right for the brand um, while still addressing the concerns that our community really wants mm -hmm. for their skincare routine so moving forward you'll see things directly created based off of what they are asking us for I love that you have a spreadsheet mm -hmm. oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I love spreadsheets lots of, of excel times, sheets <laughs> love it there is something of, I don't know if this is the case in the US, but there can be something of a stigma attached to, say, celebrity and influencer branded mm -hmm. products in that perhaps they've just walked in and kind of slapped their name on it. From everything that you've said today, that was clearly not the case. But to what extent were you involved with the, um, the formulation process? Every extent of the That's music to I my mean, it, ears. <laughs> it was the the two of us working directly with our lab from day one. It's That's how amazing. we still do product development. It's Mariana and I who really um, work directly with this lab that we love. Uh, yeah. Who really specializes in clean beauty. So we ha we kind of had this sort of wish list of of different products that we wanted to create and test and try. Um, a number of which no one will ever see um, because we weren't <laughs> obsessed with them but the ones that we really fall in love with and we we then go back to our lab and make a number of different tweaks um over several months sometimes years mm -hmm. uh you know to our formulas and so it's something that we're really attached to and that we're very much involved in uh and something that i know will always be you know regardless of sort of how big our team eventually gets it's something that we're both really passionate about um and we know because we try so many products i think it's yeah. It makes it, I don't know, in a way a bit easier to make our, our sort of wish list of, of things because we try so many different things. Market research is part of your job. Yeah. How do you come up with, I mean, all three masks, they target specific things. How do you come up with that? Is that, you know, gaps that you've found? Is it something from your followers? Is it, you know, what's the process? 
I think for us, we thought about different skincare concerns that we had. Jet lag came from, I had like literal jet lag of, um, I fly the red eye flight from LA to New York all the time. I usually land and I have to go straight to work, which as an influencer was meaning like a photo shoot or an event. I never wanted to mm-hmm. look as tired as I felt. And Lauren's jet lag life at the time was she was pregnant and then yes. she was a new mom. And so her jet lag life was different. And we say, you know, the girl who shops summer Fridays or anyone who shops summer Fridays, everyone's life is very hectic mm-hmm. and busy. And we want to come up with solutions for that and her skincare routine that was fast effective clean and cool and Mm -hmm. so she could do that with summer Fridays and easily add it in without taking away from something else so jet lag was that and it really much fit the brand of summer Fridays and then we wanted to then address other concerns Um, and with overtime and R&R it really does that and we just fell so in love with the formulas when formulating them that we knew we had to launch these products and we perfected them over time and like we knew we could, we never stopped grabbing our samples. And when we ran out, we had to get more from our lab because we love them that much. And that That's we just case. were so obsessed with, like, we love them for so long. And we looked at them for so many times over years that when they finally came out, we were just still so excited about them because hopefully we'll keep looking at the same product for many years to come. And we really have to feel about that way about every launch um, moving forward. I just, personally, I find that the mask, you're not following a trend. It's exactly what you've just said there. You know, they're mm-hmm. timeless products. These are the sort of issues yeah, we're going to have forever. Yeah, we wanted longevity. Mm-hmm. You know, and not just in the products, but also I think in the the branding and the packaging. Yes. And also to your point, I think because so many people, you know, may want to sort of dislike an influencer mm-hmm. brand, or you know, they might just want to be like, ah, oh, you know, it's just another, another <laughs> you know, another person coming out with a brand. And for us, it it really was. It felt really different, and we wanted people to know that we spent a long time. Mm-hmm formulating um, and we really were very mindful about you know everything from the formulation to our packaging to the colors we chose so that hopefully five years 10 years 20 years people are still gravitating toward our products I can't imagine my life without them Lauren, you're obviously a mum. Yes. Mariana, how many flights are you up to now? 15, 16? Oh, um, right now, I, I did the math this morning, and I'm averaging a flight every three days so far in 2019. So, um, See, this is where I wish there was a video component because my eyes just like, went out of my head. Yeah, it's a lot of flights. Um, this year, I think I've been, to, I've been to New York a lot. I went to Singapore. I went to Vietnam. I'm here. Um, I, I, I feel like I've been somewhere else, but I don't really remember at this point. But yeah, a lot of flights. <laughs> we don't feel like we're on the other side of the world here, but we really are. How are you balancing it all? Um, <laughs> it's a work in progress. I mean, I fortunately, like my other baby, where like Lauren has Evan and my other baby is like the influencer life. Yeah. So my balance comes between those two things. And so... I have no idea how I could add anything else into what I'm currently doing because I don't think there's time, but I really love the brands that I work with. Like, I feel so fortunate to have built the career that I did in this time because I really get to be selective now. And so I really do turn down most of the work that comes my way, and I'm only accepting the jobs, the brands that I really love or that I think my audience would love to try or shop um, and sharing moments that I think they're going to be really into. And because of the time that we dedicate towards Summer Fridays, I really can't take on extra jobs that I'm not so obsessed with because that's not really where I want to spend my time right now. It's hard, though. I mean, we're self-employed, so we don't have normal schedules. We don't have normal hours. People are always asking us things at all hours of the day. And then being an influencer, a lot of your job is on nights and weekends when you're attending events or photo shoots or travel or whatever it is. So it's definitely hard. There is no answer except for 
just forcing yourself to take some time off. And when we say self-care, it's really because we know we have to, to be our best selves in our career mm -hmm. and with our family and with our loved ones because we're not going to be good to anybody if we're worn out and tired. <laughs> so you have to learn to forgive yourself a bit and then be a little bit easier on yourself. It's a, it's a nice way to sort of live yeah. life. And to know the perfect balance, I don't think it exists for anyone. You know, I good. think it's I'm like happy it's all, to hear yes, that. It's an, it's an imperfect balance. And I think different things at different points in your life will require more attention, whether it's like, you know, that's by the month or the week or the year or whatever it is. And I think it's just about sort of prioritizing, in, you know, in that sense. Mm -hmm. So three masks. How many yes. countries are you stocked in now? Off the top of your head? We're um, in retail and like physically sold in stores right now. We're in US, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Yeah. Um, it's available online through most countries in the world globally That's right incredible. now. Um, and there's like a few places that it's not, but hopefully by mid this year, you can hopefully yes. get it in most places. <laughs> Big plans for 2019. <laughs> well, I mean, that's my next question. So three masks, global stockists by the sound of things and combined you've got more followers than I can physically count. What is next for Summer Fridays? Well, <laughs> we can't give too much away, um, but you will, I mean, you'll definitely see more products from us, and then everything um, that you'll see after R&R &R, uh, are, are products that are based off of feedback that we've gotten since we've launched. So Amazing. They kind of, we talked about those Excel sheets that we yes. make. Um, I mean, we've gotten so many comments and messages and... I mean, just so much feedback based on, you know, what people are, are asking for and what they want. And so we took that to our lab and then we created things that, um, that you guys have really wanted. So that's all I can say. <laughs> that was part one of my conversation with Mariana Hewitt and Lauren Gores, co-founders of Summer Fridays, who you can find on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt, at Lauren Gores and at Summer Fridays. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please rate, review and share and be sure to subscribe so you can be one of the first to listen to the rather emotional part two of this conversation next week. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.